Welcome to Fundamentally Drained Podcast with your hosts, Father Everett Lees, Father Tom Dahlman, and Justin Dixon. Three Christians exploring Christianity from a perspective other than the fundamental view from which we have become fundamentally drained. We'll begin the conversation and you take it from there. This is Being Saved Part 3. And uh, yes, we've actually had enough to talk about. <laughs> Third time's the charm, right? <laughs> That's right. Let's wrap this puppy up. All right. You know, as, as Everett said in one of the other episodes, we've done answered all that. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. Good stuff. Okay. So today um, we have about, uh, we have some points to focus on to uh, really try and wrap up this being saved. Um, what is being saved talking uh topic and uh so let's start with um one of our own let's go to our own denomination episcopalians and uh talk about why do we um why does there seem like we avoid talking about being saved and and i i would say that's kind of contrast to some other um traditions in our in in the christian faith where that's what you talk about maybe um and so let, let's talk about why or do we avoid it in some ways and i know exactly and i i would say i'm i'm down that road too so let's expand on that who, who wants to jump in first well justin you said you know exactly why you avoid it so why do you think we avoid it oh on the spot on the spot um because it's 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 um it's getting to a point of not point of, sorry, let me back up already. Um, the preachiness. I have been sat down in various points in my life and preached at in a, an attempted conversation with someone that I'm in relationship or trust with. And it starts out, how's your day? Great. How's your, you know, blah, 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 blah. And it has moved into, um, oh, there's something about being whipped. There's a phrase, um, and I forget what it is, but just um, just being beat up through talk of being saved and things like that. And so the first response for me, and I'm sure for others, is to go the complete opposite and maybe never, ever, ever want to make someone uncomfortable in talking about being saved and saved life, which I would say that... that um, has moved the the pendulum has moved for me in finally getting past that and, and accepting is like I'm over here and I can't be you know I can't never not talk about it so you know it began with me showing it okay this is me showing my um, saved life if you will or my attempt at a saved life for ever <laughs> and so um and i start began by showing it through works and then i learned a little bit more i was like oh that's not the only way to show it it's showing it through love through you know relationship and and um being a part of something of uh you know feeding the hungry clothing the naked uh, naked um and so on like that and continuing to go back i would say to more of a center as opposed to a left or right side of of ever ever not ever talking about saved or always talking about saved so does that make sense yes great makes a lot of sense <laughs> well good <laughs> what's your thoughts tom well i think that we have trouble talking about it maybe i think there are practical reasons there are personal reasons um theological reasons Pers the personal reason 
you covered really well. Like if you're a cradle Episcopalian, uh, you you know that the people who are asking you about that are associating salvation with some kind of experience. And we don't ha- usually have big experiences. We'll have experiences on a pilgrimage or on a trip or maybe through Curcio or camp or something. But I'm not saying we don't have spiritual or even mystical experiences, but we haven't had that moment where we're feeling like we're just damned to hell and then all of a sudden we're walking in the light, you know? So mm-hmm. we don't have the the personal experience. And if you're someone who grew up in that world and you left it, you probably left it because you were beat up by it, like you just brought up. So I think there are personal and there are practical reasons why we struggle to talk about it. Okay. Um, we've been talking about the theology the last two episodes, but I mean, the theological reason is we don't believe, we think it's more of a communal action. It's it's an action that's part of the whole community and it's a process. Um, the adoption, like the baptism or the confirmation is more like the adoption, <clears throat> but the growing into your, <clears throat> sorry, relationship in the family is what we're doing, and that's salvation, you know, as we talked about last week in in Second Peter 3. Yeah, I think yep. that's it. Yep, yep. So, uh, anyway. So, is there, um, I mean, in, in when you're talking about that event, that... Um, emotional event. I don't want to, I don't want to make this cheap. Um, so, but I'm just going to refer to it as that in my mind, I'm thinking of the altar call, uh, right. you know, and that's the event, but you referred to on a mission trip or something like that. And I have sat in, um, in a Episcopal church for the last 15 years and other, and, and other Episcopal churches and services and things like that. And, um, through, I would say, um, teaching and education um, formation, I guess, uh, and and just relationship. That event um, has turned into a continual Sunday um, of approaching the altar. Or um, I don't know too many baptisms that I attend now that I have dry eyes <laughs> and things like that, as right. opposed to your walking up and this is for me this is me talking me or something walking up to an altar call and you know giving it the one and uh man i can't be negative not negative here <laughs> um i i agree with you okay thank I, you i think i know what you're trying to save say. me <laughs> save me <laughs> so um okay everett you want to expand and I think, yeah and, and i think there's a I, I think as episcopalians we have a really difficult time um communicating what it is that we believe and what we stand for. And what we tend to do is say, we're not like, and then fill Ooh. in whatever nomination it is. Right. Right. Um, right. I, I think we struggle with, with, with our identity. Um, and, and part of it is, is I think, cause there's something in our DNA in which we have a, a, a broadness and, and for, for comprehension, for, for truth. Um, but the way that it manifests itself <clears throat> in the way that we talk about it is that we're not really sure how to say this is what it means to be an Episcopalian. Hmm. 
So okay. I definitely think there's 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 baggage of either you you were used to be in a tradition where sort of the salvific event was so important, and you're like, man, I, I left that 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 tradition for a reason, so I don't want to talk about that. Right. Um, but I also don't think that we do a good job giving people the language in which to. Uh, I was like the other day on, on on Twitter. I said, you know, I want to reclaim the word evangelical because <laughs> yeah. uh, I consider myself an evangelical. Right. And it was amazing how many people are like, no, you know, that ship's passed. You know, we need to find the next the next word. And it's like, well, you know, isn't isn't our podcast just a hidden um, word reclaiming? <laughs> the thing that's our whole point is we're doing repent and and doubt and all these words we want to reclaim them <laughs> from what we have this negative connotation to um by the way i need one of those little bells uh salvific salvific is that what you said <laughs> yeah that's a great word that's outstanding man i need a little bell so i can recognize <laughs> that and it's a five dollar word <laughs> can i I, this might be speaking to um, last week's topic, but I I've uh, had the Tom thought, repeating topics again. Uh-huh. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, I shouldn't. It's kind just of go. Thought. Just okay. Go. <laughs> um, so I have friends who've been baptized ten times <laughs> because they were at camp and yeah, the, whoever's. Yeah. Or they've said the sinner's prayer, not maybe baptism. They've said the sinner's prayer ten okay. times. Right, right, right. They're not sure. They're not sure which one took. So, right. I, I, there's a sense in which our way of doing things is bad because we lack the experience and we lack that moment. Mm, yes. There's a there's a sense in which seeking that moment cheapens it because. It makes you have to continually seek the bigger, the better moment. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I think that's one reason why we struggle to talk about it because uh, a lot of us came out of that world, and and we want, we know it. We we struggle, like Everett said. We know what we're not, but right. we don't. We have. Right. It's harder to say what we are. We're not saying you need to be say the sinner's prayer 10 times. We're not saying you need to be baptized five times. But but then we struggle to put into positive terms what what we mean. If if someone go, attends that camp um, and they they say the sinner's prayer, I'm just going to use that. I'm sure there's other ways of, of doing those things. Um, <clears throat> but if they do that over and over and over, um, then we have not, um, gosh, words, uh, packed them, prepared them. That's what I was looking for. We have not prepared them with information to understand that, no, you are in the uh, saving life now. You are continually being saved. We are working as a community to, and and they that has not been um, delivered to them. They have not been prepared with that information to understand. And this is what you're saying, you know. So they continue to go seek around and go, oh, is this it? Is this the one? Oh, yes, you know. And 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 so it, it continues to do. The people may continue to do the same thing over and over because we haven't prepared them well enough to understand this is the saved life. This is how the saved life looks, and this is what it looks like. We go out into the world and share love um, and things like that. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. Okay. 
that seems like a good point to transition okay. into what you said you want, which I forgot what it was. No, I, I number the second one I wanted to talk about was what are sacramental approaches to salvation? Mm. Um, so, Everett, you ready to walk down that road? Yeah, so, um, you know, I mean, for, for, for me, like, when we talk, you know, I mean, so sacramental can, can mean a whole lot of things, but I think... Um, you know, for me, like sacramental is this notion of 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 the restoration of all of creation. Um, Alexander Schmemann says in in his book for the life of the world, the reason we baptize people in water is is that water is the is is the primal element of of life. And so the very essence of life is also being restored and renewed. Um, and and so, you know, baptism in the Episcopal tradition is more than like a washing of the sins. Um, it is, it is, it is rebirth. It is new creation that is breaking forth. Right. Um, right. Which is a very, di- which is a very different notion of of baptism as as sort of just a sign of the conversion that already happened. Right. right. Um, we actually would say that that baptism is a central. Is the central act um, of the life of faith. It's it's the the prayer book and the catechism in the back says it's the sacrament by which God adopts us as His children. So it's like the it's like the signing of the papers and the adoption. You know, it's like <laughs> the moment we uh, become a member of the family. What kind of check process do they have to go through for that? <laughs> All right. The um, uh, hopefully more than a six-week catechism class. But that's a subject <laughs> for another podcast. <laughs> um, good quote. That was Alexander uh, Shema. Shmaimon. Shmaimon. Oh my gosh! I will never get that. I'll butcher that. Okay. He's he's an Orthodox. Did uh, you have any more? To, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, did you have any more to add to that, Tom? <clears throat> uh, no. Okay. I, all right, let's jump into uh, virtue ethics. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> I was told to Google this before we got on the before we started this podcast when I asked what that is. So, um, someone, let's explain what virtue ethics is. Go. <laughs> well, um, I felt like we rushed over sacrament. If you're, oh my bad, my bad. Uh, I, th- I just asked if you had any more to. Ask. Oh. Okay, let's back up, back up, back up. Go ahead, Tom. Well, you're supposed to navigate these things. I, I, you have to ask us leading questions that jog our minds. Oh, Justin. my apologies. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, well, here's what I wanted to say. If I'm listening thanks. to this, if I'm listening to this, and I'm um, evangelical or something, what the heck is a sacrament? I mean, I don't know what that is. I hear people talk about this, and Great I mean, point. I know. Great point. So, um, it's it's an. There's so many pitfalls when you talk about it because when you say it's an outward, the classical definition, outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace. So you say that to the first time somebody said that to me, I said, "Oh, so it's just symbolic." No, no, it's not symbolic. Well, what is it then? You know, um, so the water is symbolizing 
the salvation that's happening inside of you. No, no, that's not what <laughs> it means either. Um, so it's it's an inaction. It's an acting. It. It's like a wedding. Um, when you go to a wedding, um, and they say, "I now pronounce you," or you join the ring, and you go through that whole service, you don't walk out of the wedding and say, "What did that symbolize?" No, that that's when the union was enacted. That's what we mean by a sacrament. So we could see it with our eyes through this liturgy they did or the service they did or through the rings or the kissing, the whole thing. So that's what an outward invisible sign is. The water is when God's grace is enacted. The, and the communion is when we gather at the heavenly table. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yep. It's and it's really hard to talk about because, um, well, and this is and this is where um, you know the, the the Western Church has seemed to to lost the language of the Holy Spirit. We're we're not really like we realize that it's the the third person of the Trinity, but other than that, we don't really know what to do with it. Um, and 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 sort of how. The spirit-filled life interweaves in all um, of of these things that it that it's you know like so so the marriage is not just some sort of a civil service by which you become contractually obligated to one another or even maybe even covenanted to one another, um, but that but that now your marriage is a glimpse into the kingdom of heaven, which totally changes. Nice. The yes. vocation of husband and wife. Yes. Like like people are supposed to get a glimpse. When they see you two, they're supposed to get a glimpse into the kingdom um, of heaven. That, that that communion is not just a group of people who are taking some bread and wine and, and, and receiving the little, as Nathan Jennings, my liturgy professor, would say, grace packet. <laughs> but that they are actually gathered with the angels and the archangels and the entire company of heaven in, in, in sharing this meal. Um, and, and so, you know, in, in, in our Western sort of um, minds, that's so hard for us to get around. And, and we go, well, that's sort of fairy tale-ish. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's more real to me than the other, than the things our secular world tries to say is real. Nice. That that's awesome. That's a great explanation. Um, and and you're exactly right. We have there isn't there. I've never heard the talk uh, that explanation for communion um, in, in ever um, outside of being a part of the church I am now. Um, and I'm not mentioning that just to say it's not us, just not us, uh, and just not Episcopalians. But that's the idea in communion everywhere. And uh, to have this type of event each time you walk up for communion, if you have that in your mind, that's an experience. That's an event. <laughs> and we're not recognizing it. Um, and so that goes back to the information piece. It's like we're not teaching um, to understand what this is. Tom has done a great job in the past when he was at our church as well as uh, – uh, Father Shelby, too, in talking about how at this altar is where heaven and earth overlap with one another. And we, when we approach it, we are approaching, um, you know, the, the, 
as you said, gosh, I can't even replicate. So rewind and listen to what Everett just said. And when you look at it like that, and when you look at everyone coming up to that, it makes it that event or that experience every Sunday <laughs> or every Wednesday night, whatever it's done. And uh, if you're looking for something to hang on to, rethink that, reimagine that and uh, sit down. And then each week, um, that saving event you're looking for, it's there. It's there, I promise. <laughs> but but we, but that's another reason why we struggle to talk about it. Back to our first question, because... Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I love those long sides. Our, our, under, our understanding is a sense irrelevant. Like, when I was a kid and I went into communion, I knew that passage from 1 Corinthians 11, where it said, whoever does this, you know, without viewing um, the body of Christ... And when I was a kid, I didn't understand that was talking about the community of the church. Mm-hmm. So I, and I also knew the passage where it says, if you take this in an unworthy manner. So I thought communion was just memorialism. I thought it was um, just about, and so when I saw, heard it in 1 Corinthians 11 talking about the body of Christ, I'm thinking, well, so my job is here to keep my eyes closed focused on Jesus hanging on the cross so I don't take it in an unworthy manner and condemn my soul. So I'm thinking it's all about this thought I put into it and this emotion I put into it because my salvation and that I I thought was tied to my understanding, which I didn't know was me saving myself. Anyway, my point is, so we go up to communion. I mean, Paul says, or in Ephesians it says, and I think it was Paul, but God raised us up with Christ seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. This isn't talking about in heaven. This is talking about now, Justin. We all have, like, you have a seat in heaven with your name on it. <laughs> and it's not just like a seat that's waiting there for you. You're there. Right. And that is what we experience in communion. We're at Christ's table. So that's the idea. But my thinking about it is irrelevant. Hmm. It's going to happen whether I... It would be good if I thought about it. It would be good if I went up there in reverence with awareness. That's We call that sacramental awareness, and that's part of the job of priests and deacons and teachers is to help people know what's happening and to think about it. But um, that's kind of... The beauty of it is that we're not seeking the emotional impact of having this awareness. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. I do. It's kind of a, there's kind of a difference there, and and it. I don't think I'm explaining it very well. I no, I I follow where you're at, and I appreciate the the correction on that. Is just because no, it's, I wasn't I wasn't trying to correct you at all. Nah, yeah, you were. It's okay, buddy. <laughs> no, I wasn't. No, no, no. I, I get it. I get it. Um, and so, um, it, it, and it brings me to all the, the table, uh, all are welcome at the table, right? Because everyone has right. a seat with their name on it, everyone. And, um, so that's where, and, and, and we're also bleeding into well, another part. Eventually everyone, right? Eventually. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, so the yeah, space so that's, is there. That's the space to is there. The, okay. Right. Yeah. Go ahead. Everett, what? I mean, that's actually one a discussion that's, that's that's going on. I mean, so, you know, in the Roman Catholic tradition, only Roman Catholics can receive communion in the Roman Catholic Church. The Episcopal Church expands that to say anyone who is baptized can receive 
communion. But there's an argument going on that says that communion is also a conversion opportunity and that we ought to open that meal to to all people, regardless of whether you know they're they are baptized or, or not. Um, I fall on the stance theologically that it should be those who are baptized who receive holy communion. Um, and and part of it is um, because that that this is not just a mem- if it's just a memorial meal, yeah, give it to everybody. Um, but but if 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 what's going what we say is being enacted in the liturgy then I think we owe it to people to say, this is, this is what you are saying when you come and receive um, Holy Communion. This is, what, this, is, this is what it means. Right, right. I think we're getting you, into a different podcast. Are you pounding on the desk, Everett, while you're saying that? A little. <laughs> I can hear this. I can, bang, 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 bang. He's preaching he's, to us. He's getting fired up. He is, there. yes. Okay, all right. I, I'm going to pause. We, we I'm, I'm going to pause this. We do need to have a future podcast. I've got back. sacramental episode written down already, guys. So let's let's right. break off of this before we get too far. Because I mean, it does apply. I'm not saying that, but let's back up just a minute because we're gonna make this into an hour long episode, and we're we're headed towards part four. So um, okay, was there? Uh, you know what? I think we've covered sacramental. Does anyone else have anything there? <laughs> Nope. Before I jump and Tom gets on to me, um, we've completely exhausted that topic. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate that. Could be talked about. (laughs) All right, let's jump into virtue ethics. Uh, Tom, explain it to us, please, if you will. So that is, and why we're talking about it, (laughs) an an attempt an attempt to reclaim the ancient idea of what salvation is what's the process of salvation process might not be the right word but how in the ancient world if you were pagan um zoroastrian uh christian jewish you all you shared this idea that we're naturally moving towards uh the divine for us that's god and christ um you know, for pagans, it was the magnanimous man, whatever your your view was. But you, through living by the virtues, the Greek word is theosis. You're becoming more like God, and we lost that. We lost it uh, beginning with um, kind of medieval Catholicism, where uh, the South view it became about a kind of a merits based system, and then. Luther came ar- along, and we lost the whole formation merit thing, and it became about grace. But that, but so we lost this idea of what is the virtues, what is, what are we doing when we give alms to the poor, when we pray, when we read scripture, when we practice silence, when we fast. How are we? It's God and humans coming together to shape us into this new thing. And it's a process that we're a part of, that we, uh, ha- we have to do something. Um, so that's what it is. So when, when we, I think we, you hear Episcopalians say a lot, I'm, I was, you know, I'm being saved. Our, their friends say, 
are you saved? And they say, well, I'm being saved, but we don't know what that means. Mm. Um, we don't, we don't connect it to this idea of my, my responsibility then to practice the Christian disciplines and how God is a part of that and how, how we're a part of that. So I, I think, um, a good way to talk about salvation is I was saved at the cross, the empty tomb. And I experience that every Sunday in the Eucharist. And I'm, and I'm being saved more and more as I do what it talks about in Second Peter, you know, chapter 1, verse 3 and following. God is um, walking, you know, blessing, uh, giving the Spirit, doing those so, does that make sense? Yep. Yep. Everett? Yeah, I, I mean, I just to, to dovetail a little bit off of what Tom is saying, I mean, virtue ethics is this idea that that you have to practice something. So it's not, it's not works righteousness where we do these things and suddenly God loves us, but that actually being Christian takes effort and takes practice. And, and so... Um, uh, you know, uh, Walter Brueggemann talks about this book in, uh, in the prophetic tradition or the prophetic witness. Um, and, and he talks about, like, like which is more uh, powerful, putting up statues of the Ten Commandments or actually living by the Ten Commandments? <laughs> A mouse just ran by me. <laughs> Seriously? Wait for the I am cat. dead serious. <laughs> Are you on the table now? I wish you would have screamed because we're recording. <laughs> I about did. Uh, All right, back to Brueggemann and the prophetic it, it, witness. It, it, that's something that takes effort. It's something that takes practice. Um, <laughs> these are not things that come naturally to us. Right. And right. and and so this idea that boom, I've. I've had this conversion experience. I've I've come to this deeper awareness of Jesus, and now I can just go back to you know. Now I can I, I can do it all. No, it it it, it takes it takes effort uh, and, and practice in order to become um, what it is that we desire. Right, I, I would say that, and that does go along with the is it theosis um, that Tom was talking about, um, and and something I want to add, um, because I think I lived this for quite some time, um, is that this um, act of practice or theosis or, or, or discipline came to mind when you all were talking. Um, the disciplines, this is not an attempt at perfection. Um, it's not something that you're going to get to a certain point and then you can be the hands and feet of Christ. This is, for me, an ongoing thing that was going to always go on. So um, I feel like at one point I was um, going to go and remove myself from, let's just say, society and get uh, practice the disciplines and prayer and become this perfect person. Then I would go out and do things for people and help people and, and go out and be a light to the world. Um, that's, that's a, uh, that, that's not, and, and I've learned that's not something that you do you, you all along, 
all along we are called to go out and love and help and, and serve and and, um, and be a light in the world, even when we <laughs> look at ourselves maybe um, and say, you know what, I, I'm, I'm not good I'm, I'm because we're not. We're not in many ways, not to say we aren't good, um, but we're not perfect. That's what I was trying to say. And so um, during this uh, process, don't, don't just go and hide. Go out in the world and be a light even when we are not perfect because we can't be perfect. So. Well, but I mean, I mean, we can see this in our own lives. I mean, left to our own devices, you know, I would probably eat, you know, cheeseburger and French fries, you know, for every meal. Um, burger. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, and, and I think this is what Paul talks about in terms of being driven by, you know, sort of our, our, you know, our gut or 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 our, you know, our our, our desires, right? Rather than being driven by the vision that that Christ has for our life. Right, right, and I thought of the community there. The community will help with that too, um, and lead us in the right direction and, and uh, guide us along those. All right, um, any uh, other thoughts on virtue ethics and living the life? Theosis. Once again, we've completely, um, completely, from an academic, theological, and practical perspective, we have completely exhausted that topic. Nothing more could be said about it. Or added to it. <laughs> Nothing. If anyone ever talks about it ever again, they're wrong. That's right. Wait, we gave it seven minutes and 14 seconds, I think, so. Listen, the final word has been given. All right, we're over our time, but I think in order that we're close to wrapping this up, so let's trudge on a little bit. Uh, listener, if you don't mind, you can break this up into two parts. Um, so... There's two more things I wanted to kind of hop in here, and, and one of them was talking about deliverance over power and death. And when we're talking about being saved, uh, what is the deliverance over power and death? Everett, do you want to start with that one? Yeah, I mean, I just, what I would say is, is that when we talk about um, what does it mean to be saved is, is, you know, sort of these cosmic powers of sin and death which rule our life, and and that in Jesus' death and resurrection— that um, that the defeat over those cosmic powers has has begun, and so when we, I, for me, when we talk about what does it mean to be saved, is being saved from 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 you know from those powers that are outside of myself. Does that make sense? It does for me, yes. Uh, because anytime someone threatens me with death, I cower and run away. <laughs> and if if death had been defeated, excuse me, with death defeated. Uh, then uh, you know that's something that they that they can't hold over you anymore. And I and I think about that from a Roman um, standpoint, but it isn't just a Roman day first century thing of like we'll crucify you. It's like eh, you know what we've defeated death. That doesn't scare, bother us anymore. We're going to go ahead and serve and carry out. And I mean that's the Jesus life, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tom, uh, anything to add on? I, um, yep, go ahead. No, I, I can't. I, I mean, uh, I would just add what the. I um, uh, go ahead. I'd have to find it. It's in the catechism. There's some good stuff in there. You should read it. You should read that book, man. <laughs> um, I um, there. You know what? It, deliverance over power and death, and just that phrase itself had no meaning or anything to me in um, former 
life <laughs> earlier in my life. Um, so that is a completely new idea. Um, Jesus died on the cross for sins, period. Um, and that's a big important part, uh, but the deliverance of, of power and death had nothing to do with it. So I think maybe in the future we'll do an episode over that because um, I think that, I don't know what people are going to take away from that, but uh, it makes sense to me just from other previous studies. So, all right, let's jump into um, some personal opinions on being saved as we wrap up this awesome award-winning, <laughs> just kidding, um uh, the being saved trilogy i guess um where okay so this is just this is again this is i guess all this is kind of opinion for you all but where do you want to see the idea of being saved go for all christians what what is what's what's missing what do you see what what wisdom do you want to convey right now um if there's a certain area of it that you you can see being reclaimed um, if we haven't already talked about it, and you may just re- reiterate something you've already said, but um, if you had to sit down and you, you could talk to the Christian faith um, and its people, the church, um, what what would you say? And, and uh, that's a huge question. I'm sorry. <laughs> Tom, you're under the gun, buddy. <laughs> I hope that I hope that for none of us, um, our uh, salvation isn't like a badge of arrogance. Uh, okay, but a uh, kind of a. I'm not saying there can't be pride, or but that we should. It should be a humbling experience, and it should be something that inspires us to walk and pray and feed the poor and care for the least of these and say morning and evening prayer and just do all that stuff that traditions Christians traditionally did and to not give up in doing it Um, like in Hebrews it says um, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but encourage one another King James says, spur them on, which is kind of a fun image. But Yeehaw! <laughs> I, I would just, I would hope that, um, I would hope that we would really all take seriously how we've, how our view of salvation is so different than the early Christian church's idea of being changed into the image of this Christ they were following. And how do we do that? And, and that we walk humbly do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with God, as it says in the Old Testament. And that, instead of grabbing, it feels like the Christian Christianity you see on television is all about grabbing power. And mm. it's no wonder that young people are walking away from the church. Hmm. Good. Thank you. Everett? Um, I would say that I hope that we can come to a point in which we work out our salvation with fear and trembling, um, as Paul would, would tell us. Um, and that it's something that we see as a, as a process, um, and not just a moment or a event that, that, that the Christian faith and life is more than 
the the decision I came to follow Jesus, which I I look I I I said I'm an evangelical. I believe that, um, but but that's been our emphasis too long, and we need to we need to reclaim the question of what does it actually mean to live the Christian faith in life. Awesome, awesome. Um, I had I had um, humble in mind as well um, the humility. Um, which is just a continual struggle <laughs> for me in many ways and areas. It's just a, uh, but humbly moving towards sanctification. And uh, sanctification is, uh, it's another word that I knew nothing about um, when I was growing up. Let's just say that. Uh, but sanctification is the act or process of acquiring sanctity or being made or becoming holy. Um, and it also goes to say to sanctify is to, literally set apart for a particular use in a special purpose or work or to make holy or sacred. And um, I think that goes along with the theosis life um, and practices and disciplines and things that we've talked about. But the humility is so important. Um, And for me, I look out and and I think Tom referenced TV, (laughs) um, and I'm not seeing that. And it's just, it, it makes me sad. It makes me sad because it's it just feels like it's a power grab, um, so much that it, it's it's uh, and we do a, a episode of, of the illusion of control and how um, Christians are possibly it feels like are seeking control and um, that's not what it is for me um, and so moving towards that sanctification in a humble manner I think is where it comes for me and that's what I'd like to see in myself. Um, more so than anything else, but also in others. So hopefully us three can, uh, you know, attempt to live these things that we've, we want so we can be an example for others and love others, um, wherever they're at. So that's pretty good guys. I think that's pretty good for our three episode of being saved. So thank you guys for working through that and doing that. Um, any final thoughts, Tom? No, sir. E? Nope. All right. Thank you all for joining us on this and uh, listening to the podcast. This is fun, and we enjoy it, and we appreciate everyone and your responses and encouragement and things like that. So may the peace of the Lord be always with you. Thanks for joining us today. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at at FunDrainPod. We'd love to hear your comments on our episodes and also suggest future episode topics also if you enjoy what we're doing go on to itunes and give us a review please thanks a lot